G'day everyone and welcome back to another Clubs in Days episode and today we are talking the West Coast Eagles. My name is Will, I am your co-host and joining me because she missed her home Western <laughs> Australian team in Fremantle, we've decided to get her on for the other West Australian team. It is Mel, how are you going Mel? I'm good, although I find that a very interesting comparison because usually when there's only two teams in one city, you love one and you hate the other. Can't say I'm a massive Eagles fan on the game. However, I had the most out of the players in my fantasy team last year. There was definitely periods of time where the most players came from the Eagles because they are incredibly fantasy relevant. Yeah, and they are very fantasy relevant. Before we get into that, could you give us a bit of a rundown of the team history and how they went last season? Yeah, so... Interestingly enough, the Eagles and the women seem to somewhat follow the trajectory of the Eagles and the men's, uh, which oh is <laughs> uh, not doing particularly well. I believe of the bottom of the ladder last season, it was Eagles and the expansion clubs, which, you know, you can give a pass to the expansion clubs. But anyway, so they had two wins, one over GWS, which was a bit of a surprise, and eight losses. But this is still an improvement over their season six performance, where they only had one win. So... They're coming into their fifth season now for season eight, and hopefully we can notch that up to three wins. Yeah, but I mean, if they continue the improvement, it, I mean, they could even double it again and go up to four wins. Oh. But we know that they're basically were victims of your team, Frio, taking all the good WA talent to begin with. Yeah. In terms of the ins and outs, they've been fairly static, which is interesting. Yeah. So they got one in from Frio, Amy Franklin coming over as a forward, and... The only kind of notable out is a friend of the pod, Hayley Bullis, uh, who we interviewed for the West Coast episode last season. She's moved over to Sydney. So other than that, they've been pretty much the same. However, just because the team hasn't changed that much doesn't mean there's not a lot of fantasy potential. It is quite good that they are consistently at the bottom of the ladder because it means that we get a huge amount of points from their defenders, lots of interesting action going on in the midfield. So yeah, still an incredibly fantasy relevant team. Absolutely. And one of the things that... uh good teams do is kick lots of goals and we've got our first interviewee for this episode which is the west coast eagles leading goal kicker amy schmidt liam and i had a sit down with her to talk about how the eagles are tracking this preseason. let's jump into that now yep hello everyone and we are very very lucky today to be joined by star key forward from the west coast eagles amy schmidt amy how are you going um, really well. Thank you for having me today. No worries. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, firstly, how's the off-season, off-season treated you? And are you excited to be back into the pre-season? Yeah, um, it was really nice to finally have a summer off. I think after what, this is my eighth season, um, yeah, having a summer off was quite nice to reconnect with the family and just uh, enjoy some time over the over the festive period to relax and unwind. But yeah, really looking forward to getting in and cracking in for season eight. I can imagine as well. It, it's, it must be pretty nice that there's no COVID interruptions. There's no time, different timing of seasons. You actually get an entire summer knowing roughly when the next season is going to start. Yeah. I mean, obviously the CBA is still up in the air at the moment, but um, in terms of preseason and things like that, we kind of had a rough idea and it was just working from that and good to kind of have a set plan in place on when we were starting and what the season kind of looks like. Yeah, for sure. So you, um, for those, for all of our listeners who aren't across uh, your career, you started as an inaugural giant and then you played four years over in Western Sydney and now you're back and you've been in WA for the last two years. Over your time in two, over the last two years and in particular last season, you know, what are your thoughts on how the the club is shaping up and, you know, what were the kind of key takeaways from, from last season, so season seven? Yeah, um, obviously really young list, our Eagles, um, an up-and-coming list. I think our average game or something was like 18 games played for the whole list, so it's quite low. But in terms of development and things like that, I think this year we're really focusing on um, not just being happy to be in the competition but actually competing and um, putting our best foot forward and pushing pushing teams and, and making sure that we're giving our best out on the field and um, hopefully that comes with some positive results. Absolutely. And I guess it is no secret that the on-field success hasn't quite been there yet. And a lot of that can be attributed to quite a young list. So as a group, have you sort of addressed that or are you more looking forward to just trusting in the process and hoping that that will just, the natural development will lead that push towards finals contention? Yeah, I think um, it's obviously 
not any news to anyone that we haven't performed as well as we would like to. But um, mm. I think we're really trusting in the process and um, that trust is a big thing for us and we know that we're on the right track and we know we're doing the right things. Um, so if all things go the way that we want them to go this year um, with our list and how we're tracking along, hopefully that means a few more wins under the belt. We had a we had a conversation with um with Haley Bullis this time last year, and she talked about the fact that it was great to have some continuity, just from coach to coach. How has it been this season with not only some continuity in the coaching and administrative stuff, but then also on the list, there was very few players leaving, and then I also think there was only one free agent addition in Amy Franklin. Yeah, so obviously, um, twenty nine of our players are still here and then obviously we've added um, Amy Franklin so really good addition to the team but just yeah having that consistency um, and being able to work with your teammates not just through the season but through the off season as well and getting to know each and every player and how they tick and what how they best perform um, I think that's only going to add to our team and obviously understanding each other you're only going to get positives from that. Absolutely and just quick Clean club. Uh, can you confirm or deny that? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nickname shitty. Um, obviously, Schmidt, shit, you know. Um, I don't know, just kind of stuck. I'll just go with it. But um, uh, yeah. I guess well, that's right. Because your, your track record has been anything but shitty for the Eagles. You've established yourself as the spearhead of that Eagles attack. You've won the last two leading goal kicker awards, which is a fantastic effort. Uh, can you just give us a bit of insight into that forward group? You've obviously got young stars such as uh, Kate Bartlett and Ella Roberts down there, but also Amy Franklin. So how is that forward line shaping up coming into the new season? Yeah, um, I think those girls are kind of putting a lot of work in the off-season as well. Um, Kate Bartlett's, I think she's stronger than ever, been hitting the gym hard. So we've got a really good dynamic down there at the moment now, um, and we're just trying to figure out the best way that, that what that looks like at the moment. But um really looking forward to hopefully that all gelling together and it being a really dynamic forward line. Will's mentioned someone in there that kind of the, at the very least, a lot of the AFLW media out East have been pretty keen to talk about, which is Ella Roberts, who kind of came in as into the draft, into the last draft as one of the most talented players. Now she did a bit of everything last year. I think she even did what you'd done in past seasons, which is pinch hit in the ruck at points. Are you guys across what role she'll be playing this season? Because obviously she did look very good at times during the season and we're obviously very keen to see how she'll go, you know, with another season of experience under her belt. I'm assuming forward at, at this stage, um, but you never know. I think she's got the ability to jump in the mid at times and have a really big impact through the midfield. So I think another year under her belt and, and learning and developing as a player, I think, I think she's going to come ahead in leaps and bounds this year. I think she's definitely got the ability. So let's hope that all comes out on the field and we get a better supply up in our forward line and she can actually have a real impact. Yeah, she was a player that uh, our fantasy coaches all really enjoyed. She was a really good young rookie for us last year. But you alluded to it earlier, West Coast really do have a lot of really good young talent across the board. And one player we've been following with quite a bit of interest has been Bella Lewis, actually, uh, obviously won a best and fairest first season at the club, still working into being a, a truly consistent AFLW midfielder. But this is really her third year of top line football. So do you think this can be the year where she has that traditional third year breakout and becomes that truly elite midfielder that you reckon she can be? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that can be said for probably a lot of girls on our list. They've been doing the hard work in the gym and on the track in the off season. And I think it's like an opportunity there. And if she takes it with both hands, I definitely think she can put a stamp on the competition as one of the best midfielders. Not to uh, not to delve too many too many into the younger players in the list. Like, what have you heard from the club so far about what your role is going to be? Are you looking to be that kind of you know slightly older mentor in the forward line to some of those younger, more talented players? Are you going to be looking to get up the ground? What's your outlook for for season eight? Yeah, we haven't gone into it too much yet, but I think the big thing from them is they just want that leader up forward. Um, there's obviously only a few of us that have played over 30 games, so just that leadership on field and and really driving the standards for the younger girls and holding them accountable and things like that. So, yeah, I think just taking that leadership role to another level this year and really helping develop that young group. One player that, going back to the, to the young players, we saw Sarah Lakai become a really a really handy ruck for the, for your team last season. But you've also got Lauren Wackfer who had to sit on the sidelines thanks to that ACL. With that in mind, given that strong development of Sarah Lakai, is there a role for both of them, te- both of them in the team? 
And is there a chance that potentially one could be joining you up in that forward line? I honestly have no idea. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming, I, I mean, that Wax obviously done the hard work with their rehab and she's back training with us. So it's really positive signs for her. And hopefully um, come round one, she's putting her hand up for selection. And and obviously Sarah's the same. She's had a, she had a really big breakout year last year and dominated in that ruck. So um, another year in the system, I think is going to benefit her as well. So Honestly, I hope that we have both of them in the team. I don't know what that looks like at this point, but um, yeah, I think I, I'm assuming that come round one, you'd like to see both of them there. Yeah. Apologies for asking. We we know that you might not know it's uh, at this point, but, uh, everything about all the different players, but uh, we, we obviously don't get to see uh, Lauren Wackford. We only kind of knew that she was the one of the more highly rated rucks going into last year's draft. And then obviously she came in with the ACL. So we're obviously curious to see what that looked like, but I think the big thing, you know, in doing our research and then having watched West Coast and had a look at the list, it looks as though there's a lot of strong key position talent. Like we haven't even mentioned, you know, one of the breakout players as well last year were in, in Charlotte Thomas. Is that, you know, amongst the playing group, is there a recognition that, you know, there has actually been a lot of growth in the playing group in these like younger key position areas? Yeah, I think when the club kind of, made the intention of taking all these young girls and and spending a couple of years and developing them. They they did that for a reason. And um I think they knew that it wouldn't pay off initially, but in two or three years time, you know, these girls coming through can really have a big impact on the competition. And someone like Charlie Thomas and Sarah LeKay and Ella Roberts, those girls are the stars of the future. And I think if the club's doing everything in their power, they'll they want to keep them around and really develop them as players. So I think We've got we've got really good um, pillars in there, and I think that if yeah we keep going the way we are, they're going to be big stars for the future, and they're going to build our game around those kind of girls. Yeah, absolutely. I guess just to to head back to you for a second, Amy. We've talked about all this young talent. Do you reckon you can do the three peat for leading goal kicker? Is that in in the books for you, or do you reckon you're going to palm off a few to some of the young players this year? Um, I, I haven't even thought of it. Um, I would love to be kicking goals because that means that we're getting the ball in our forward line and um, that's what we want. But um, obviously <laughs> would love to share it around too. I think we've got some amazing talent up there. So if we're all kicking goals, I think that's really positive signs for the club. Yeah. And I think the main thing that uh, we're getting from this is that there's a lot of positive signs coming out of West Coast and that there's a lot of young talent. We're obviously excited to watch them, but if you had to pick someone who you're most excited for in this next season to have a truly breakout year, who would it be? Outside of yourself having the three-peat goal-kicking award. <laughs> well, there's there's just so many. Um, I think Sinead Davidson coming back from a knee recon, mm. I think last preseason she was in a career best form and then unfortunately went down in the practice match. So I think, and she's putting her best foot forward again this year. So if she comes back and she's firing, I think she's going to be one of those players to watch. But there's also girls like Courtney Rowley, who played a bit of mid and a bit of wing last year. She's worked really hard in the off-season as well. There's so many girls that have put in the hard yards, I think, um, in the off-season, and they they really want this to succeed, this club to succeed, and they're doing the best things that they can to make that happen. So, I mean, I could rattle off the whole, whole list of Everyone that's 18, 19, but um, hopefully it all comes together and mm. everyone's firing. We love the enthusiasm. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, we look forward to looking and watching West Coast with a lot of interest this year because, as you say, there's so much great young players out there to watch, which will make it a really exciting year. We might close it out there. Thank you so much for, for coming on. and uh, It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. Great stuff there. Some really interesting uh, tidbits that we heard there from Amy Schmidt. Mel, what do you reckon? Some super interesting names for the breakout players. It's actually quite reflective of something I'm going to talk about later. But this is also a super duper episode because we have another interview coming up at the very end as well. Actually, you could almost say it's two interviews. We also had the opportunity to interview Ella Roberts and Bella Lewis together. So we're going to chuck that one at the end of this episode after the fantasy analysis. So please stick around and listen to that one. Not only huge names, but incredibly fantasy relevant names there. Yeah. And Mel's just temporarily forgotten that I'm the host and not her. Oh, so sorry, Will. Very, very good. Um, <laughs> I guess that leads really, really well into our uh, top top five. 
Our five to well, five to one, one to five, one, two, three, four, fives. We still haven't actually settled on a name for these, and we're almost at the end of this series. Mel, it was a perfect segue because your number one is one of those interviewees, which is how I was going to announce it. Mel, your number one player. I'm just too excited to talk about the Eagles. There's just so much going on here. Yeah, so it has to be has to be Ella Roberts. She was a must-have in season seven. Everyone was talking about her. She's incredibly fantasy relevant. And she was the breakout pick from Bella Lewis, which was quite nice to see. For those of you that haven't heard of her, priced at 55 and she's a forward. She was pretty much my F4 and 5 for the entirety of last season, all 10 rounds, which was great. She's coming into her second season now and from her performance of last season. So she's priced at 55. She only had three scores under 55 because she had a massive ceiling up there of 85, quite a few high scores. She, um, I mean, onwards and upwards, right? Like that was an impressive first season. I can't wait to see what she pulls through this season. Interesting to have a, a forward in a team that doesn't score particularly well necessarily, but she's just pulling out all of the scores. She had a quiet game where she only got 32 in the middle of the season, and I'm not quite sure why that was, but that aside, she's either someone that you should be starting with or a name that you should be very familiar with because 55, she's going to go beyond that. You said it yourself, she's such an amazing young talent, and one of the things that we do talk about briefly in the interview is she's also one of the few people with fantasy-relevant information in that her dad played AFLW Fantasy and did indeed pick her. So, well done to uh, Ella Roberts' dad. But, I mean, she's a super talent. We know that. She played pretty much every position on the ground as well, which contributed to some of that scoring. She's going to be a midfielder eventually. We know that. But as a a 55 averaging forward who pretty much only has upside, I I completely agree with this pick. She's a a player that could quite easily go up to 65, even maybe 70, if if, uh, that natural improvement comes through. And even if she doesn't, she'll probably be a 60 averaging forward, which is still pretty great. Yeah, and something we like to say, she's great to watch. And you love to be able to put people in your team that are awesome to watch when you go to the games or watch them on telly. So she's a great one. If you have her in your team, you won't regret watching her play, that's for sure. Absolutely. I was actually trying to put together a graphic for for some of our um, social media, and pretty much every picture is her celebrating gold, <laughs> um, which which is fantastic. Not great for, for me trying to find a, you know an action shot. But yeah, I mean... You said it before, she was a forward that only had two scores under 50 playing for a team that genuinely struggled last season. Mm. Should only get better. Yeah. Completely agree that it's a, it's a great pick. A, a lot of the the talent at West Coast is young talent. So at number two, you've got another young player who saw rapid improvement last season and has been getting a bit of interest from us across the last two seasons. Mel, number two. Yeah, so I've got here Charlie Thomas. She was my D2 at the back end of season seven. Um, so she had a massive season seven, absolute breakout fantasy player going into her second season now. In terms of all of the fen- defenders in the platform by price, she's ranked number four, which is huge to be at the top of that um, line so early on. She's definitely a contender for the top five. I reckon we'll be talking about her a lot this season. There's definitely potential for her to go above 59, but the fact that she's coming in so highly ranked already like she's either gonna stay as the fourth most impressive defender or even move up the ranks a little bit more so she's definitely one to have or to be angling to have with uh, upgrades potentially as the season goes if you don't start with her and uh as we know there is plenty of ball to be had in the eagles back line so <laughs> she's uh not going to be short of that everyone we've, we've talked to from the, the interviewees and just internally seems to rate her incredibly highly. And what's what's crazy as well is she's still 19. She'll start the season just on her 20th birthday, basically. There's so much upside with Charlie Thomas, and she's been one of the players that's been coming in and out of my side as I flit around with my defenders. But I was really big on her last season. I picked her up late last season, and it turned out to be a fantastic pick because after round five, she only scored one score under 60. <laughs> which was a 54, super consistent, pretty much scored 60 every single week. I think the one knock on her was that she wasn't necessarily scoring the massive scores. She scored 193, which is a good ceiling against Richmond. But, I mean, consistency is one of the things that gets you the wins in this game. You don't, you want a player, you'd rather a player score 60 every week than a player who scores, you know, 120. Yeah. So. And because she is coming in, I mean, 59 for defender is... 
up there. You would hate to bring her in and then see some of that inconsistency play out really early um, and cop a bit of a loss there, but I'm, I'm pretty confident in her. I back her. Yeah, agreed. If she doesn't start in my team, there's a very strong chance that Charles Thomas will be in my team by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Speaking of consistency, we have Miss Consistency herself, number three, the inspirational skipper, Mel, number three. Oh, this is up there with some of my favourite players. I love Emma Swanson. She's just amazing to watch. I remember stalking out the Eagles players after a game with you in the dark, <laughs> waiting for a photo with Emma Swanson, and then it was super blurry. Absolutely adore her. So a mid priced at 90. The reason why she's amazing is because she has averaged over, oh, at about 70 fantasy points a game over 45 games. So. Hugely consistent. We can see that she can score over 100 and she very rarely has a shocker. So she's pretty pretty close-knit band around that 70. She had an average of 88 in Season 6 and then an average of 90 going into Season 8, which is pretty pretty consistent. And you're not going to be picking her necessarily because she's got 10-plus growth on her. She might have a little bit because she's had a pretty good trajectory. If you look at her history over the 45 games she's been playing, it's trending up. But you pick her because she's reliable. Even though the Eagles aren't a, a huge scoring team, we know that that doesn't always translate to fantasy potential. She's been averaging about, and I didn't actually do this math, this is just me looking at it, but about five tackles, about 20 disposals a game, every game for 45 games. So definitely one to have. She was very attractive back in season six of Fantasy in Morera's Magic because she was listed as a defender. But now she's rightly corrected to a mid which made her a little bit less attractive last season because there were some great options. But I think she's still a really good potential to either start with or use as an upgrade target, depending on how you structure your midline. We talked a bit about this last season, which was that a lot of people didn't really pick her as a midfielder because they were kind of like, oh, it's not as not as interesting as a not a defender. But a 90 averaging midfielder is pretty close to elite. Like mm. beyond your Marinov and your Bowers... That's pretty much the next best option. Hmm. And it's it's an option that the more I look at it, the more I don't mind it. She's only been picked by 6.5% of people in the official game. She averages 90. If you maybe want to save a little bit of money and maybe not pick one of your Bowers or your Marinoffs, you can do a lot worse than Emma Swanson. And one of the things about her is you say that she very rarely has a shocker. Her average actually does include a shocker from last season. She finished the year in what can be described as a pretty putrid game for West Coast against the the, the, the eventual premiers in Melbourne with a 35. Mm. Prior to that, she actually hadn't dropped below 70. She'd scored a 73, a 79, an 88, and then every other score was over 93. So super, super consistent. Pretty much at the stage where you could almost say that's like captaincy material. Yeah, so she's a good one. Because if you take out that 35, she actually averaged pretty much 96. So, under uh, underpriced. Yeah, so she, you could argue she's underpriced. And there'll be people who say, oh, but what about that 35? Last round against a team that was desperately trying to kick as many points as they can so they could, you know, finish top of the ladder. It was in a pretty windy and crappy conditions down at um, Casey, Casey Fields? Fields. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't read too much into it, if I'm completely honest. I actually think Emma Swanson is a fantastic pick and player that you could look at as a potential point of difference. Mm. We're going to go back to some of the young talent now because young talent is really the staple of West Coast. We know how good Emma Swanson is, but number four, you've got a player who we talked a lot about last season as a breakout contender, had a really good season. Mel, number four. I distinctly remember at the end of last season we were talking about players that we were already even I don't even know if the season had finished we were penciling them in for season eights in my side or someone I'm really going to consider ahead of season eight and that's Sarah Lakai so she's the ruck priced at 59 in season seven she was pretty much the primary ruck so there was a couple of hit outs going to Isabel Simmons each game but the other ruck option from West Coast was Lauren Wakfa, who unfortunately didn't get to play Season 7 out for a knee reconstruction, who's going to be coming in again in Season 8. So that is a little bit of a, a question mark there. However, we can see from Lakai, when she is getting like 40-plus hitouts in a game, her fantasy score can go up to 80-something. 
which is fantastic. So if she is playing that primary ruck, there's a lot of potential there for a massive score. I mean, priced at 59, that's a huge, huge leap right there. And right now she's sitting at ninth on the ruck ladder in terms of price stat. So she could be one that we're talking about towards the end of the season in the top five. And we often don't play a lot of swapsies in the rucks because, I mean, you might get a rookie and then upgrade as you go or a set and forget. But she's an interesting one, a bit of a mid-pricer who could be moving up into that premium bucket for some cash gen on your rack line that's not super, um, I guess, risky like a rookie. The flag that I put on this, though, is that with Wack for coming back in, she's been mentioned as being like a top-performing ruck in the WAFLW or the Waffle W. So there could be a bit of competition there and it might not play out the same as it did in Season 7 in terms of that primary ruck role. I don't really have any more insight than that. But to me, this is one to be watching in the Pracky games, see how that division plays. And if we're getting the sense that it's going to be a mostly Lakai game, then consider her for your ruck. Yeah, I was about to throw up some flag chat because I had a big Tunisian flag to throw up with uh, Sarah Lakai, which is that return of Lauren Wakfa. And we tried to tease an answer out of our interview interviewees. And as you'll see from our following interview with... Uh, Bella, Bella and Ella, and from our Amy Schmidt interview as well, they were very tight-lipped on it. They kept it a bit under their hat, which is not helpful for us, but it makes a lot of sense. But Lauren Wackfer, as Mel has correctly said, huge raps. If Sarah Lakai takes that number one ruck role, I think she's a fantastic player. I love watching her play. I just worry that she's going to get too much of that centre game time taken out by Lauren Wackfer. It's definitely one that I'm going to have to maybe watch and could be someone that if you're maybe playing a non-premium ruck, say in the Marrera's Magic style of game, maybe someone you could target early who's a bit cheaper than the genuine premiums who could jump up a fair bit. A bit like a maybe an Olivia Fuller last season mm. where she started a bit cheaper and then rose up into that sort of top five to ten rucks as the season went on. I think you're being a bit harsh there with Tunisia. I mean, come on, that's predominantly red. I was actually, I've done some research and I was going to give it a Suriname. So, you know, green borders, but a bit of red in the middle. It was the first red flagged country that I could think of. So <laughs> Tunisia is the first red flagged country you can think of. Yeah. I love your brain. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on from the, the flagged Sarah Lakai, number five is a player that Amy Schmidt has talked up, and you'll also hear is talked up by our two younger interviewees, play that I'm quite interested in as well. Who have you got? In hindsight, probably should have put her as four and not five, but yep. Sinead Davison, <laughs> a soft spot in my heart, same last name, same spelling, which is often people get that wrong. So she is a basement priced forward. So she's coming in with a price stat of zero, which is exciting. She played... Four games in season six and five games in season five and essentially didn't play last season. So that's uh, why she's coming in so loosely priced. If you're going to pick a basement price forward, you've got one here who is a known entity. She's played before. She has been highly recommended as been having an amazing off season. And to me, there's nothing really but upside here because when you have a look at her previous nine games there, she had an average of 18 across those nine games. So you're not kind of picking her because she's priced at zero and has had an amazing season a couple of seasons earlier. You're picking her because she's priced at zero. She knows how to play the game. You know how she's going to be. But she's also had an amazing offseason and is going to come in hot. We also heard from that interview that she's starting to train on the wing and we love a player who is going to be running through the midfield that's not listed as a midfielder. So I reckon she's a good bench opportunity but also someone that I would just be watching in the pre-seasons just to see, is she running through that wing or not? How is she looking? Is she named? Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. At that price, hard to go wrong. You know she's got a fair bit of talent and we love, as you say, a player who can play midfield when they're listed up forward. Just quickly, go and look up the mark she took while playing for Swan Districts before she was drafted. It is an absolute ripper. Hopefully we can see a bit more of that now that she's uh, fit and firing. But yeah, Shanae Davidson, I think that's a, a pretty a pretty good one, actually, to, to just maybe sit on your bench in either game and hopefully we'll make you a bit of money. 
So I've actually also got a special shout out here. Uh, I know I've done my five, but I was having a look at some of the AFLW articles that are coming out from the AFL website, which is awesome. I absolutely love seeing AFLW fantasy content on the, the main AFL platform. And something they were doing was a bit of an intro on how to play and what the different scoring lines are. And they were laying this out with some great examples. We have, for example, um, oh, where was I going with this? Oh, goals are worth uh, six points. And, for example, the person that got the most goals last season was Jessie Wardlaw, and she got 22 goals across the season. And then they gave an example of the negative three you get when you have a free against you. And they listed Bella Lewis, our poor interviewee, as the player that had the most frees against last season with 24, an average of 2.4 frees against per game. And I just thought that is, that's a shocker. And I can't even remember if I had her in my side last season or the season before, but I definitely remember being on the, uh, the sad side of having her in my team and copying some neg threes there. So, yeah, before before I move on to, <laughs> to my special picks, I just want to say Bella Lewis is an exceptional player and she's a player that we've talked a bit about because she's going to be a fantastic midfielder, but she's she is that hard nut midfielder in there. She's not necessarily playing a fantasy-friendly game. She's in there to be tough and aggressive, yep. get the, the tough ball and get it out to, you, to Rolls-Royce players like an Emma Swanson. Watch her. Maybe don't pick her in your fantasy side because, as Mel said, it'll frustrate you. But she's an absolute superstar. And honestly, I, I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview. And we'll, we'll throw to that shortly. But before we do that, it's Will's time to, to speak again. And... Would you like me to throw to you? <laughs> yeah, why not? You, you, you hosted earlier. You can do it again now. Will, why don't you give us your special? I'm going to give my, I'm going to do a Mel here and do a, a special shout before my special shout, which is Courtney Rowley, which is a player that's been touted to improve greatly. She's priced at 46, mentioned in both our interviews as a player who looks like they're going to have a good season. The only reason I'm not picking her as my special is because she's just in that slightly awkward pricing um, where she's not quite cheap enough to be a really good cheap option priced at about 46 Still one to watch, could be a really big improver. I've gone for Dana Hooker as my special. The first reason I've gone for her as my special is because she had a considerably down season for her last season, moved to a more of a wing role, um, which isn't where she used to play before some of the younger players moved in. And as a result, her average dropped down to around about a 55 so for context, prior to last season, she'd averaged over 60 for every single season. And she'd also had a career high average in her first season at West Coast, where she got an average of 88. So she's got good fantasy pedigree. It's worth noting that she did miss um, a fair bit of games in 2021 due to the unfortunate knife through a foot injury, mm. um, which if you haven't heard about that is horrifying. Oh, look it up. So she missed a lot of football because of that. So it's probably not surprising she's come back a bit slower in 2022. However, the thing that clinches it for me is if you're playing the official game, she is listed as a forward. Oh, really? She's listed as a forward. She's 3% owned. Maybe if you've got a player like a Courtney Rowley or Sinead Davidson moving onto that wing, maybe she pushes a little bit more into the centre. You've got a player that you know can has in the past, can quite easily average over 70. Yeah. That's straight into possible F1 or 2 territory, depending on how someone like a Chelsea Randall or a Kate Hall goes. Jeez. It's a risky one. It's role-dependent. I wouldn't do it in Morera's Magic because of she's only a midfielder in that, but as a forward, oh, it interests me. It interests me. Pre-foot um, injury time, she ended up on a 124 at the back end of season. Four, I believe that would have been, which is massive, huge ceiling. And you say she came off a little bit slow after her injury. She got some great, like, high 80s in there. So she's got a, like, consistently high 80s ceiling that she's been able to hit multiple times. So, yeah, that's a, I did not realise she was listed as a forward. That's juicy. Yeah, and I think one of the other things is similar to Emma Swanson, finished the year 
much like West Coast, really struggled. Finished with a 29 and a 32. So that's also dragging that average down a bit more. Take those out, and she's probably averaging a bit closer to 60. Yeah, and I mean, you can imagine they were probably a little bit defeated at the end of that season. They're playing some tough competition, especially having Melbourne in the last round. So maybe they weren't pumping quite as hard as they could have. Yeah, wow. That's that's a great pick. I um, You didn't give me any notes on this. Usually we write our notes beforehand and I can be like, oh, yeah, Dana Hooker. That makes sense. No notes, just Dana Hooker. Yeah, I went. For, I wanted a surprise on this one because I was, I was pretty happy with this one, I'm going to say. Yeah, that's, I was pretty that's happy. juicy. I'm stoked with this. She's in my heart. <laughs> we, we might leave it there in terms of the fantasy analysis. We'll, we'll cut to the interview shortly. But before we do that, keep following us on the socials. We're nearly at the end. Just one more left for Western Bulldogs coming up next. You can find the best 21 for the Eagles on our social media. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at FreeKickWPod. Mel, where can they find you? I'm on Insta as HiMelD. And I'm Will, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Will, uh, Will H underscore VI. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. So to finish off, as we've mentioned numerous times throughout this episode, we have an absolute cracker of an interview. We got two of the young superstars from the Eagles. Very hard to say, but we've got Bella Lewis and Ella Roberts. And I do like how Liam absolutely butchered the introduction to that and got them wrong. <laughs> it's worth it's worth mentioning that like for five minutes before we started this interview, we were basically saying like Ella and Bella. We'll, we'll make sure we get it right. First cab off the rank. Absolutely mangles it. But after that, it was a fantastic interview, and it was so great to hear what they had to say. Some great fantasy tips. Talked about a lot of the players we've just talked about in detail. Two fantastic young players, so keep an eye on them both for your fantasy teams and just when you're watching football. Enjoy, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Welcome, everyone, to this interview on our West Coast ep- West Coast Eagles episode of the 18 Clubs in 18 Days podcast. And today we're not joined by not only one, but two young superstars for the Eagles. I'm joined by Ella Lewis, Ella Roberts and Bella Lewis. I stuffed up the one thing that I couldn't afford to. How are we going, guys? Good, thanks. Yeah, very good, thank you. Look, I hope you're, I hope you're uh, feeling better than uh, how I went with that intro. So question to both of you. You've just been in the preseason for about three weeks. How was your off season? The longest preseason I've had since being drafted. Um, so it was hard at times. I think we we started running in January, so we were running probably for about four or five months before we even started preseason. Um, but it was definitely fun. I went away to Japan, um, nice. which was nice to have a, a refresh. And um, yeah, we were definitely hanging out to get back. That's for sure. How about you, Ella? Yeah. I didn't get to actually get away anywhere as nice as Japan, but it was nice not to have any footy requirements for a little bit, but definitely was, yeah, itching to get back once the end of off-season was there. So, yeah, it was good to be back, but also had a good break. Yeah, very nice. So at the Eagles, it's been a tough couple of years in terms of the on-field results, but you've clearly got a lot of young talent such as yourselves that are looking to bring the club forward. So how's the feeling around the club now that you're in for a new season and how are you feeling exposed about the natural improvement that you guys can bring to the list to, to move you guys towards the finals? Yeah. The vibe of the club at the moment is amazing. I think all the girls are up and about, obviously we haven't had the most success in the last couple of years, but I think, yeah, we've all got a good feeling this year as we like, we didn't have, we only had new one new addition this year being Amy Franklin. So, um, we all knew her as well. So, yeah, we're all one big family. We all know each other now. Um, didn't have to get to know anyone new. So, yeah, we're very excited and we're, yeah, getting around each other. We love each other and it's been really good. It was uh, it was definitely something that uh, we also discussed. We had an interview with Amy Schmidt. She really did hone in on the idea that there was some continuity in both coaching staff and in players and, and that was there was a hope that that would translate to some success. Bella, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a specific question to you. You were... You got off to a pretty hot start in your career. You won Best and Ferris in your first year, which was a pretty big accolade. What was it like winning that in your first season? And did that kind of increase expectations on you personally? And did that make it more difficult in later seasons? Or did it kind of help to, to prove that if you put the effort in, you could you could really make it in the comp? Yeah, I think it was um, it was an interesting one. We had 
I think the year I came in, we had probably six or seven new girls come in. And then that year we had quite a few injuries. So I'm told not to call it luck, but it probably, <laughs> I was probably uh, gifted uh, with it. But yeah, it definitely um, made me realise, I think when you're first getting drafted and you're trying to make your own career and you're trying to stay in the team, get a new contract and whatever that is, which most young players are. And then I think after that year, I was I didn't feel satisfied at all. I've, I've said that before and plenty of times before. After the award, there was no satisfaction, I guess, with it. And I, I guess that comes from, obviously, I think that year we won one or two games again. So it definitely, yeah, it definitely increased the pressure into the next year. I think after your first year, you kind of expected to get better and better after that. And it doesn't always go that way. Mm which it yeah, didn't for me, but um, it definitely increased that pressure. But it's good now that I've learned how to deal with it from a younger age. And I w- all I was going to say as well, it, it probably has helped kind of coming into this year that at least last year it looked like there was a pretty consistent midfield rotation that you were in there and you were kind of working with the same bunch of players every week. Do you feel like that's also going to help ensure that that improvement is more linear and that we'll see more growth in your game this season? Yeah, so much. I, um, no, not even the midfield, but the the whole squad. Like you said, we've only had one new girl come in, um, and so I think we've had less girls change lines, and and we've kind of figured out where we all fit now within the team, which is really nice to have the continuity. So again, in the midfield, that's happened again this year, and playing with Ash and Swanee, and um, I think Courtney Rowley will come in a bit more this year as well as Ella. I've kind of learned, especially with Ash and Swanee, the way they play, and that's for sure helped my game and how we can align ourselves to, I guess, help the team going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of changing around on the field a bit, Ella, you had an outstanding debut season yourself playing a variety of roles. Bella's talked a bit about, you know, the expectation to to keep pushing forward. What what were your key learnings out of last season that you're taking into this year? I think I wasn't very satisfied with my year last year either, I don't think. Um, Yeah, I think towards the end of the year, like round 10, I probably played my best game, but Obviously, the the seasons are so short, so I didn't really get to continue that form. So I'm kind of hoping that's kind of going to continue over to this year. Um, but yeah, I think I just learnt how to deal with the physicality of the game because yeah, obviously it was a massive step up. Yeah, I've definitely gotten used to the step up now. It's just I yeah, didn't get much time. I got used to it towards the end, but I didn't get to play like that um, for too long because it was a short season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't stress. I, I think, I think they're <laughs> definitely talking to a number of players. It's always like, oh yeah, I really feel like I was honing in on this one position season's done. Yeah, it, exactly. It, and that's exactly obviously right. part of the reason why there should be a lot more talk about longer seasons, both mm. from the perspective of player growth, but then also people like us just want to watch more, but kind of hitting up on the the idea of you playing lots of positions I think there are a few times where you were playing in one game, full forward, half forward, midfield, and then as a backup ruck at CBAs. Are we going to see you play more consistently in one or two positions this season, or is it going to be that same kind of throw you around the park and see what sticks? I think this year I'll probably just stick more to the forward um, line. Um, Obviously, we've got a really strong midfield. And, yeah, I don't see myself taken any of the girls spots as much as I would yeah like to play probably more of a 50-50 role I think I probably play at the moment my best footy down the forward line and um yeah I'm so used to be down there I think in future I'd love to spend some more time on the ground. Bella you're part of that midfield group would you like to see Ella in that midfield more this season? Of course I don't think she's giving herself enough credit I reckon she will be up there this year. <laughs> Very nice. Hopefully. Speaking of those midfielders, you've had a chance to work under some exceptional leaders in Emma Swanson and Dana Hooker, especially given the on-field results haven't quite eventuated yet. How important has their leadership been in guiding young players such as yourself, Bella, in this case, um, through the seasons and in that midfield? Yeah, so much. I, I think it's at a period that kind of we're going through at the moment that hopefully we're about to come out of in terms of um, hard results, It's you feel bad for them at times because they're giving their all and Two examples like Swanee and Hooks are two of the best players in the team um, and they're constantly trying to make others better around them and I don't think they get enough credit personally and they really do want to help and they, they're trying to help the next generation like Ella and I and some of the other girls around and they're doing an incredible job to be honest while still being able to have jobs outside of footy and they have their leadership meetings that go on for hours at times and, and then they've got to lead us and, and put on a smile at the same time. So, yeah, it's crucial in my opinion. 
Well, I feel like we're also there's there's another player in that midfield group that I just wanted to quickly chat about, and that's Ash McCarthy that uh, Cop to mention earlier. I, I, and I really want to know this quite intently. Is there an internal stat at the Eagles that shows that she is the hardest player to tackle in the comp? or forces the most missed tackles because I swear to God watching these games, no one manages to bring her to ground. No, you can't. No, you can't tackle her. She's the same at training, to be honest. I was with her. We did like a contact conditioning today and I'm bruised from her, so that's <laughs> for sure. That's, that's just the way she goes about it, I think, is not only just the way she's not able to be tackled, but she works so, so hard. Um, she works hard in the gym and, and she's running constantly. A lot of the reason why you can't tackle her is because she's always evading them. And, you know, that I put that to her work rate, to be honest. Um, unfortunately, it's sad to hear that you've been bruised, but given the way <laughs> you described it, that this doesn't sound particularly surprising. Um, yeah. It also validates your theory, Liam, that she's hard to tackle. So She is hard to tackle, <laughs> but I, for whatever reason, champion data won't release their, you know, tackles yeah. missed or yeah. forced missed tackle rate. So I'll never actually know the answer, but I swear it's correct. Um, another player that kind of fits into the kind of youth movement and growth that we saw particularly last season at the Eagles was Charlie Thomas I might throw this one to you Ella given you've probably had to train on her a little bit against her at at match sim towards the back end of last year what was the club's view internally on her growth from good player with lots of talent to kind of elite intercept player Oh, the club rate Charlie very, very highly. And I think it's very obvious why. Um, we had last year, so we had Gooch who didn't play. So Charlie stood up and took on the role of being our full back. And um, me and Bella both agree that Charlie's got the best kick in the competition. So, nice. yeah, she lifted to the occasion and she lays skills out um, left, right and centre. So uh, <laughs> she's been awesome. I think this year she's taken another huge step. She's got a bit more confidence, which is awesome to see. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to see how she'll go this year. Big call yeah. to say that she's the best kick in the comp, but I don't think you're yeah. wrong. I'd, I'd at least have her <laughs> no, in the top yeah. five. She's pretty yeah, good. <laughs> she's pretty good. Another player, one of the young players that uh, hasn't been able to run out onto the field yet is uh, Lauren Wackfer, who was drafted with a lot of praise around her abilities last season. How's she tracking this preseason? And we likely to see her early this season rocking alongside another young star in Sarah Lakai? Yeah, she's Wacky's going good. She's um been more on the track recently, which is really good. Um, she's taking, I guess, really careful steps in her rehab, which is she's obviously going to be a pretty special part of uh, our group moving forward, our young group. And the times that she has been on the track, she really wants to learn. And she went like she went with Swanee today in in some a lot of the drills. And yeah, she impressed there. She impressed with her tackling. She's really agile for a tall girl as well, which is hard to come by. So she's really eager to learn and and she's definitely, I guess, spreading herself amongst the group. So she'll definitely be ready, I think, very early in the the season, if not round one, for sure. Nice. Is she going to be taking your rucking time out of it, Ella? (laughs) Yes, in the forward line, thank God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another player that that probably we need to talk about, this is now the second time she's been mentioned when doing these interviews with West Coast players, is uh, Courtney Rowley. So Amy was said that Courtney Rowley was the player to watch out for most this year. And now, Bella, you've mentioned she's going to be in the midfield. We mention her now because she's also coming off an injury. What can we expect from her this season? I tell you what, she is a weapon. Like, she is so underrated, criminally underrated in most of our opinions. She was playing, obviously, mostly wing is what she's played. Um, she's come back in the off-season and she's doubled like in size she's so strong now but she can still run um and she's got that I guess hunger instinct that a lot of well preferably you want a lot of midfielders to have and she's got that for sure she's got a bit of sass on her which is always good to see and she's been absolutely tearing it up in terms of getting her rehab done um and that's all going really really smoothly at the moment she she definitely will be a force to be reckoned with this season for sure that's very exciting because and this kind of leads into a point that I wanted to make. Ella, you mentioned in our little pre-interview chat that your dad played AFLW fantasy last year. I've got a question for you. Was Were you in his side? <laughs> yes, I was. Yes. <laughs> I'd be pretty and mad if I wasn't. You were almost you a, a must-have at the start of last season <laughs> as well, Ella. So I'm glad that he was at least doing the right thing by you and by his own team. 
And <laughs> yeah. I, I know you mentioned earlier that your best game of the season was round 10. Did you feel that not only playing the game, but did you have your dad mentioning that it was your best fantasy <laughs> output as well? Uh, he didn't actually mention anything. Well, I don't even know if it was. It was, it was, was it? A, yeah. an excellent, yeah, it was definitely the best game. It was an excellent game. <laughs> yeah. Nah, he didn't say anything. He doesn't put any pressure on me, so he's all good. <laughs> I, I, I don't think, it doesn't sound like it would be particularly feel good pressure, but I only mentioned that because <laughs> rookies like you were last year are the kind of, the, the type of players that everyone who plays fantasy sports are, are looking for. If I could bother you both for who is the person who is kind of going to have the biggest breakout this season? Who is going to be the player that you have to have? Who's going to really raise their game to the next level in 2023? And we've also already mentioned Courtney Rowley, which is who Amy Schmidt <laughs> said. So you're going to have to choose your own ones. <laughs> All right. I'll um, shotgun and go Davo. Um, uh, Sinead Davison. Yeah. Which was the other one that uh which was the other one that Amy Schmidt uh yeah. said. So very, very good pick. Yeah, she's flying on the track. She's Never been so fit, obviously, coming off the ACL last year. And, yeah, she's starting to train a bit more on the wing. So, that yeah, a bit more kind of midfield minutes. I'm very, very excited to see how she'll go. I think she'll kill it. And yeah, hopefully, yeah, round one start. And, yeah, she's awesome. Very nice. And you, Bella, who, who do you reckon is the, the one to look at? Um, I don't want to say it because she's right here, but probably Bella. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, stop she's it. very extremely naturally talented. Um, and she's worked a lot harder on her, her mental side of the game um, this year. So I think only being able to play mid and forward this year will do a, do a great great wonders for her. I'm sure. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we'll, we'll definitely be style. we'll definitely be watching uh, <laughs> Ella's uh, progression as much as hopefully her dad is, um, and <laughs> hopefully he can score plenty of good fantasy points for him as well. <laughs> hopefully not from hit outs. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take the loss we'll take the loss of yeah. one or two points there yeah uh we might wrap it there but thank you both so much for coming on both absolute superstar young players and we look forward to seeing what you guys and the eagles can put forward in the upcoming season thank you awesome thanks for having us no worries thanks guys <laughs> <laughs>